Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 25th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner here to discuss all the uh, news results and notable topics of Dirt Lake Model Racing along with the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff. We're uh, back in full force this week with DOD Weekend Editor Robert Holman returning after a week off. Robert, I know you've spent some time at home the past few weeks. Are you ready to get back on the road with a, a trip to Iowa this weekend? I'm definitely looking forward to it. I missed a couple trips, missed my annual trip to uh, the Topless 100, which I look forward to every year, but things are going good and I'm looking forward to getting to Davenport because I haven't been there in uh, in a couple years as well. So I'm really excited about that trip coming up. Yeah, I was uh, originally scheduled for the Davenport trip, but uh, with some, some changes, you're getting to go. So I'm uh, a little jealous with all the, the good racing that's been going on out there. It should be a, a good weekend. We'll, of course, talk more about that as we get going. Uh, speaking of Batesville, Todd Turner made a return to Batesville for the Topless 100, filling in there for Robert. Todd, did you have a good trip? Um, yeah, it was a little unusual because of all the, all the scrambling we got going on, but uh uh, but rel- relatively productive considering, uh, and also found a great taco truck in Batesville. So I'm ready for that next time I go by. <laughs> there you go. Go for the race and stay for the tacos. But uh, anyway, we, um, speaking of all the traveling, we, we talked uh, about Kevin Kovac, our senior rider, all the traveling he did earlier this summer. And now, uh, Kevin, you got some big races in your neck of the woods with the World of Outlaws up there uh, in the Northeast for four races this past weekend. And of course, the uh, Lucas Oil Series headed your way. Uh, for Port Royal's big weekend, uh, kind of nice to have some some races a little close, big races a little closer to home. Yeah, it was a nice little stretch here uh, this last uh, two weeks in August. Uh, uh, Williams Grove obviously is only a, a, an hour, not even a, barely an hour from my house, and and then on Saturday, I mean last Thursday, I got to go to Orange County Fair Speedway that at in New York, Middletown, New York, where the uh, Outlaws added that kind of late in the. Uh, you know, probably about a month and a half ago, I think it was. And, and geez, that, that's, that's old stomping grounds from big block modifieds, but I hadn't been there in like 15 years. I thought about, it. I'm like, man, it's a little, little different look here. Uh, since the last time I thought I visited that racetrack, which I'd, I'd gone to at least once a year, every year since I was a kid, I think. Uh, uh, so that was cool. And then Port Royal, of course, this weekend, it's only an hour and a half away. I uh, like it. And you know, just like right, right in the backyard. It's nice. There you go. I was a, a little ways away from my backyard uh, this past weekend with a trip to Michigan. I live in, live in Florida and uh, traveled to Michigan for the the uh, final four races of the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. I was disappointed a little bit in the weather. I was really looking forward to some cooler weather up there. And it wasn't it wasn't terrible. I'm not complaining. It just wasn't uh, wasn't I, I never had to put a hoodie on. So I was a little disappointed mm. uh, in, in Michigan, Michigan. The racing was good, but the uh, weather let me down. Uh, in Michigan this past weekend. But uh, yes, there was a, obviously a lot going on this past weekend. Uh, we, uh, the topless 100 at Batesville, of course, where Hudson O'Neill got the big win. A, a, I would say a thrilling win, dramatic win, whatever you whatever you want to call it there. Uh, I think we'll, we'll start with that. Um, and I want to, you guys, like, when you hear Jonathan Downport took the lead twice on the final lap, but still did not manage to win, uh, I would say that's kind of a, a, a weird uh note there uh is it pretty dramatic uh todd i'll start with you kind of kind of seeing that is that that a pretty dramatic situation unfolding there yeah i mean it's in the first one you know he kind of felt like hudson could get back by him pretty easy but that second one was a little a little tighter squeeze out of turn four for hudson to get back ahead and as uh as we've written about and and as hudson talked about in his interview you know he kind of you know, was expecting it and trying to plan, you know, but, 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 but it's easy to plan that stuff. Like, Oh, when the guy slides off me, I'm going to drive back mine. 
uh, it's another thing to do it and to do it twice. Um, you know, uh, one thing I noticed looking at the video on the second to last lap, Hudson almost goes over the, he gets almost too high there in turn three and four, which probably kind of gave Davenport uh, a little more momentum going into that last lap. And I can't remember when it was, but Hudson at one time slid up on that shelf at Batesville and into the wall. Robert, maybe you were there, maybe you remember, but maybe even got upside down. And this is years ago, maybe when he was uh, first starting out with the Lucas Oil. So he's had, he's had yeah. his, his, his bad moments that, Go ahead, Bromer. I believe he got in. I believe he got in that outside uke tire really, really hard one year and, and got upside. They got got on his side a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Uh, what yeah, that was so him, he, right? So that, he got his... got really high off of three and four and slid basically went completely off the racetrack and hit that big tire and got almost on his side. Yeah, um, so I remember he's, that. He's had and that's why I was kind of that. thinking. Yeah, I was kind of thinking he's had his bad moments there and. Uh, and on that second to last lap, if you look at the video again, he, he just about, he looks about one tire width from, uh, getting over the top there. Um, now I thought the racing at, at Batesville a little bit different. And actually I kind of went back and looked at lap times because, you know, they put some new dirt on that place and really they were going quite a bit slower now in qualifying on, on uh, Friday night. Um, I think uh, the quick time was like 14.7. But a lot of times the quick time at Batesville over the years has been in the uh, mid to low 13s, you know, even below 13 and a half seconds. Uh, then in the in, in the feature, of course, you're going to generally go a little bit slower. Uh, but some of, sometimes you think about those topless, and those guys are hauling around there. And it kind of, you know, that track didn't always kind of rubber up, but it it did kind of rubber evenly, and it was fast still at the end. Uh, even the last two years of the Batesville of the topless 100, the last laps were run in like the mid 15 second range. O'Neill's last lap was over 17 seconds. Uh, so uh, quite a, quite a bit of difference. The track slows down. And I think we all tend to think, you know, the slower the track is, the more racy it generally is, or the more, the, the more movement on the track uh, drivers can make it, you know, that's one other thing that's unusual about that last lap with Davenport O'Neill. You know, it's not really the kind of slide job and racing you see at Batesville. A lot of times Batesville is much harder on the, you know, guys really flying around and kind of wedging under guys. So it was, uh, it was a little different uh, this year. Yeah, actually, that's a, a very good point about the the speeds and the, the the I guess the different the track surface, the changes they made, uh, their new dirt made a difference, and that's probably a good thing because uh, you know Batesville over the past really decade, I would say, has really earned a reputation of being kind of high speeds and you know being tough on on motors even at times. So uh, I'm I'm I know as far as the racing goes, not complaining about that, and probably I imagine the drivers are a little happier with it too. One thing I found interesting in in uh, listening to some of uh, uh, Hudson O'Neill's post-race comments uh, and reading them there was talking about signaling and, or knowing that the slider was coming. Um, you know, I guess his, it, it implying that his crew guys had signaled that, uh, you know, to watch out for it. And, and I'm sure he, you know, knew Davenport was behind him and, and had it, had an idea of what was going to happen. And to me, that's, that's interesting with all this talk about, you know, the outlaws on the other national tour uh, doing away with signal, signal sticks. And, and, and I heard a lot of guys talking about signaling lately and and kevin i know you've talked a lot about that is is it kind of uh interesting to see a, a race kind of i don't want to say it was determined by you know crew members giving a guy signals i'm not saying that's why he won it but at least had a factor in it uh does it kind of maybe prove some guys points uh, that they've been making on the you know with the rule change on the outlaws there 
Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, uh, but I, I would imagine that, uh, that uh, they, were, they wouldn't have that signal sticks, I don't think, just to let them know that this guy was closing in. Uh, because he he could look up on the scoreboard, I guess. Not, not I mean, I don't think they had a video there, but at least know that the 49 was back there and uh, and most likely was going to be trying some sort of hail mary at the end, uh, like just just to anticipate that. But um, I mean, if it was a total signal stick situation where like he the Hudson knew it just because of the signal sticks, then yeah, I think that would prove it because uh, maybe he wouldn't have been quite as ready for it. Uh, I get it. I was at Orange County. That was a close uh, for the outlaw race last Thursday. And that was kind of a close race between uh, Shepard and and Max Blair and, and with no signal sticks. I, I'm, I'm sure that the, there were still some signals with hands being given to, to Shepard, but uh, probably not as easy if there's no signal sticks. And, and, and that's, that ended up being a pretty damn good race. I mean, I, I don't, he ended up, uh, I know that Shepard had a tire going down and that contributed to Max Blair really being able to kind of run the last two laps with him side by side. Uh, but uh, it was, it, it, it seemed like, man, it was just like these two just guys are just going for it in that race. There was no like, well, I got to do this. Uh, I, I'm making this move because uh, I know this guy's coming. So I, 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 I think it does have a little bit of a, it does help a little bit without having uh, signal sticks uh, to increase the um, uh, uncertainty with the leader, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I think it it definitely changes things, I would say. But uh, but it was just interesting to hear that uh, the way uh, O'Neill talked about that. More, one more thing before we move on from Batesville and, and uh, Hudson O'Neill's big win there. We'll, of course, talk about the World of Outlaws uh, big week there in the Northeast in just a second. But, Robert, I wanted to, to turn to you uh, kind of uh, with that Double Down Motorsports team, you know, being there from your home state. I'm sure you've kind of paid attention to them over the years and, and saw that, you know, that pairing with, with Hudson O'Neill. Uh, you know, obviously the show me win, topless win now, I'd say it's paying off for uh, for that for that team. Uh, Roger Sailor, Carl and Roger Sailors and that team uh, bringing on Hudson O'Neill uh, last year, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's it's obviously, uh, you know, one of those hindsight's 2020 deals where it's an excellent decision. You know, nobody I don't think has ever um, doubted Hudson O'Neill's ability. Um, I don't think they've ever doubted his, his drive necessarily. Uh, it's just a matter of a, a young guy getting in the right situation. And that that's what a lot of this, you know, just like, um, you know, uh, Brandon Overton, you've got you to get in the right situation with these guys. And, uh, and it's not that it's not that Roger didn't have, you know, a really good team and a, a really good driver, uh, you know, prior in Shannon Buckingham, because they they had some solid performances. But, you know, Shannon, Shannon kind of came from a different background. I think he came from like the Legends cars type things. And and he's, you know, obviously an older guy with uh, with commitments, business commitments and stuff. And it is really, really tough to juggle that stuff, um, you know, when you're. When you're out there with a family to, to take care of and in a big business like he has to take care of and so i don't think that was a bad move in, in any direction and, and obviously roger sellers has to be very happy now because he's got a, a young kid who's uh who's aggressive who has a, a good pedigree and uh who who clearly you know wants to spend you know wants to spend a, a lifetime probably in this sport and that's a that's a huge factor if you're not dedicated to to maybe spending a lifetime in this sport and, and doing this like this, uh, you're not going to enjoy. I don't think you're going to, you're going to enjoy successes, but you're not going to enjoy all the successes that you really can. If you 
make that 110% commitment to it. And I think that's what he's got in this, this young guy right here. And, and um, I've, I've actually been very impressed. You know, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm one of the biggest naysayers in the world in terms of second gen, third gen drivers. And they come on and I feel like they've got opportunities that others don't have, which is true. And, and then, then I see them perform and then I talk to them and then you get to know them and, and you realize that, you know, they're hard workers just like everybody else and they're down to earth and, and he's well-spoken. So, I mean, it's just a perfect fit right now. And, and I think that the sky is, is the limit for, for that team for sure. There you go. It's a, a very good uh, breakdown of what's uh, that, that pairing there. They've definitely uh, found a lot of success and maybe setting up for, uh, you know, a lot of future success uh, ahead. So uh, we'll, we'll turn from there and, and talk. We'll talk a little bit about the, the world of outlaws because that was a, a significant uh, stretch of racing there for the series. Uh, I would uh, I would say, you know, Kevin, last last week we talked a little bit about the points battle. You mentioned Chris Madden need to get needed to get going. He was 16 races left. Now he's down to 12. And I think I looked and the difference is like 158 points with uh, Brandon Shepard winning two of the four races there. Do you feel like, um, you know, I don't obviously don't want to say Shepard won it this past week. There's still a lot of racing to be done, but uh, do you feel like it's getting out of reach at this point for Chris Madden? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, I, I think it's as close as could be as to be done as you could get probably right now. Um, it's, it's, uh, a tough deal there. Like, I mean, again, Madden was starting off with a little bit of a handicap from the beginning because he didn't, uh, uh, he didn't even start two of the races down in speed weeks at Volusia. So, um, then he jumps on and starts doing it. So he's already has to make up a good 50, 60 points, I believe. And, 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 and that's what the difference was for a while. And now he's, uh, Shepard has stretched that out to over 150. So he's put another hundred points on top of that. And, um, I, I just, I, I just don't see Brandon Shepard having enough trouble over the next 12 races, uh, that are left to, to allow Madden to really make that much ground up. I mean, it's when he was around 50 points, I mean, that's, that's one race, you know, you could make that up in one event with the, with the dropout early in the race and a, and a win by, by Madden. But now it, that's, he's got more than a three race cushion of, of bad rate finish, last place finishes. And, and I don't know if you're going to get three last place finishes by, uh, ever by, uh, by Shepard. It's, it'd be, it'd be a, a incredible, uh, a stroke of bad luck for him. But, uh, and also he seems like he's, pe- he's picking up, picking it up a little bit also now too. I mean, he, he hasn't won two races in a row, but now he's got six wins and, and then I kind of think his, all his six wins have all come in the last 17 races, uh, and, and no back to back, but still that's more Brandon Shepard like because of that kind of stretch. Not, not, not quite his win percentage the last few years, but getting closer and, uh, and, uh, he bookended the, 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 the weekend this week with wins. And I, I am sure that he's probably not too happy about Saturday at Sharon though, started outside pole and wasn't able to convert that even to a first or second place finish because of that darn Kyle Larson coming on there and, and being there again <laughs> and then winning once again at Sharon. So, um, uh, but that, that could have been a, a third win and back to back, uh, would have been uh, with Sundays too. So I think Shepard turned it on and he's going to be, uh, it's a one percent chance almost now of him losing the title. Yeah, I'd say he's a, you know, about he's on his way to wrapping it up. What you got there, Robert? Well, Kevin, you know, I was going to say that as to, to add to that is as the season goes on, it gets harder to get these points also because as car counts get a little more sparse through some of these races, 
where you have an 18 to 26 car count throughout the night, uh, it's harder to make up points. Whereas when you have a 40 car car count, I know like, you know, 26, sometimes up to 30 start a world outlaws race. But when you have that big of a gap, uh, it's easier to make up points in the, at the beginning of the season. Uh, I feel like, uh, now right. when you I, I agree there too. Like, yep. you know, 18 to 24 cars, you, you honestly think Brandon, Brandon Shepard is going to finish outside the top 10. I mean, Madden not only had when you've got an 18 to 24 car field, Shepard's not he's not going to run bad. You know, he's going to have to have just terrible problem. He's going to have a motor problem, a bad wreck, get in someone else's wreck. And that's just not going to happen time after time after time like Chris Madden needs it to happen. You know, so Chris Madden, I think we knew this probably three weeks ago. He needed to start winning races and finishing five to six places ahead of of Brandon every single week and it's not happening and I was really shocked a little bit a little bit disappointed that when we got up to those big sprawling racetracks that he's good at like a Cherokee in the south or something like that that it didn't happen and so when I saw that didn't happen there and it's not that he's running bad I mean he's not running terrible but like you said like you alluded to uh Brandon Brandon Shepard's hitting his stride here you know he's starting to pick it up and and kind of fall finally fall into line with Brandon Shepard that we're used to and so, you know, with, when you look at that, it's just, uh, I agree. I just don't see that. I just don't see Madden catching him. It's just going to be. Yeah. It's, Madden, Madden actually hasn't even uh, won an outlaw race since May 22nd. I, I just kind of looked that up. And when that was when he swept the, uh, the weekend at Port Royal and he had won the $22,500 the week before at Mississippi Thunder, he had that three straight wins and kind of like watermark of being as, as close as he's gotten to, uh, Shepard right. and the points. And, and since then it's just, I mean, he's been right with Shepard most of the time, but it seems like he's been the guy, like just one, he had a knack for finishing one spot behind him, two spots behind him or, well, or just exactly. one spot ahead of him. I mean, it wasn't close. It wasn't enough to get that big, big, uh, catch up in the points. Well, you know, for, uh, uh, um, uh, some of these other guys who are running sixth, seventh, eighth in points or whatever. And you sit here and you say, well, I ran eighth tonight. I ran ninth tonight. I'm running really well. That is good for them, but when you're trying to catch Brandon Shepard, eighth is not going to get it every night. You know, six six spots behind him is not going to get it every night. You've got to you yeah, got to yeah. pick fifth up isn't even going to get it really. <laughs> you got to be fifth, perfect at the moment, to get not, it right, for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so well, and so yeah. if it's not happening, I mean, it's uh, I hate it, you know, because I love these tight races and stuff, and I think it's made it somewhat exciting. But Brandon is just so dang consistent. It's just uh, it's just you look up and he's there. It's like, okay, well, here he's running eighth tonight, and then all of a sudden with three to go, he's in the top three. So you can't you can't can't combat that. You can't overcome it. Yeah, it's it's tough to keep up for sure. A couple other uh obviously talk about the other winners on the on the weekend up there in the northeast with the outlaws. Uh Greg Satterley, I, I was it's surprised as uh reading your story, Kevin, about him uh, seven years since he'd won an outlaws race. It seems uh seems like he's been more frequent winner on the series. You know, obviously he's a he doesn't run the series full time, but runs a, a good bit. Um, and it just seemed like that was a, that was, I couldn't believe it had been that long since he'd won one. He, so he sure had a hard time remembering big... it because I'd asked him that. Right. <laughs> he couldn't even remember like the last time it, was, it took him a while to think about it. Like, man, seven years. Wow. It's a, that's been a while. That's for sure. Yeah. Time, time flies. And then uh, it had not been very long since uh, Kyle Larson had won on the tour, of course, with uh, him winning the Prairie Dirt Classic a, a couple weeks ago at, at Fairbury. Uh, and it also had not been very long since he had won a race before winning 
uh, on with this, the series there at Sharon. He, uh, I was, it, it's in case y'all, I know we're a late model podcast and some folks may not be paying attention to what Larson's doing elsewhere, but he won the sprint, uh, Knoxville national sprint car race, which is, I, I think I'm not a sprint car guy. But I'm pretty sure the biggest, uh, you know, most prestigious sprint car race, uh, uh there is wing sprint car race won that, uh, a week, uh, last weekend. And during the midweek, he went to the uh, big midget race at the dirt track in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the BC 39 event, a two, two night deal, a tune up race. I think it was on Wednesday and then the big race on Thursday and swept that. And one, one of the most dramatic dirt track races in, in just that I've ever seen. Uh, if you hadn't watched that, it was on flow and get the highlights on flow. If, you know, if you don't mind watching a midget race, go check that out. Um, he, he, uh, Larson won that. And then of course, won the uh, World of Outlaws in a late model. So uh, I was expecting him to win the NASCAR race uh, after all that winning in, in one week, but he, he didn't on Sunday. But still, that's pretty pretty impressive, I would say, for for Larson there. Uh, Kevin, do you feel that way to him to show up after all that winning and continue just, just kind of doing what he does, win races no matter what yeah, it is? He, could, he was right there for almost on Friday night at Williams Grove, uh, uh, the race that Satterley won. He was all over Satterley for several laps in the second half of that feature. Um, and if something would have, you know, he would have made one right move. He, he probably could have won that too. I think he was gearing up for one more shot too. At, at four to go is when he, I think it was uh, six to go. I believe it was, he hit the cushion and turned, turned one kind of got sideways and it poked a big hole, big mud clod poked a hole in his uh, right front corner of his nose there and uh, kind of went through the radiator and uh, got into the tire and stuff too. So that knocked him out with uh, two laps later or else I, I, I think he was right. It's, I, I watched uh, Williams Groves race from uh, from the infield and I was standing on uh, Ron Slavic's uh, t-shirt trailer watching that and it was sort of right in the middle of the infield so I could see him kind of really going in the third the third corner I mean it, it just seems like Kyle uh, Larson runs in the corner harder than everybody I mean I, I just I test here it looks like he's taking that thing in there harder and, and doing things that other guys aren't which uh, makes me think that it makes me show how good he is. And especially just jumping into that car. I didn't even know he was going to be there. I don't think a lot of people knew he was going to even run the late model this weekend. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the team, the Rumley team, they said that their next race would probably be Cherokee. Uh, you know, maybe I, th- I think he was talking about uh, coming up uh, with the outlaw race in the, uh, the next week. Um, so there I walk in the pits there and there's, there's the number six car sitting there. So that was a, that was kind of a shocker. And, you know, but it wasn't a shocker to see him up front. I mean, he's just he, – he's he's good. There's no doubt about it. He's good. Great. Yeah, def- definitely. So he's proven it uh, – uh, keeps proving it over and over again. But uh, I, I do want to talk about uh, the, the the Summer Nationals uh, swing through uh, Michigan. Yes, the, uh, the Summer Nationals is finally over for the seat until next year. So in case anyone was wondering, uh, they wrapped it up there. I was there four races. Um Bobby Pierce wrapped up the championship $29,000 this year. They had the, the extra races. So they added some extra money uh, per race to the um, to the, the points championship. So a nice payday for him. Uh, however, it was not a nice finish to the tour tour for Pierce with uh, uh, three uh, just bad luck nights there in a row uh, with an engine, engine issue at uh, I-96. Um, got spun out uh, in a t- little tangle there. I'll run around the top five at Tri-City Motor Speedway and then just was not – on it and just struggled a bit. It looked like me there at, at Merritt in the finale. Uh, it was, however, a strong finish for Ashton Winger, who uh, took over second from Tanner English uh, in the 
the the final point standings there, and uh, and and you know probably more importantly, more impressively, uh, finished the year with uh, by sweeping the final weekend, the two ten thousand win races there, Tri City Motor and Merritt, and really Im- impressive second half he had to the to the tour, and, and talking to him and uh, his dad Gary Winger afterward, how they wish they'd been running that well the entire tour, and I, I think if he had, he could have been close to maybe not you know uh, really challenged Pierce for the title, but at least been a lot closer and made it, made it more interesting. Uh, the other interesting thing about the, uh, the weekend there is, is Devin Moran. I think he's probably kicking himself a little bit. He came up there and I would say of all four nights he was maybe at Butler. He wasn't the fastest car, but if he got the, the, the first start hadn't been uh, canceled out by a caution, he probably wins that race because he had got the jump on Pierce, but he definitely, I felt like had the fastest car the, the other three nights in the feature, just a couple things didn't shake out his way. Uh, he did win, of course, at, at uh, I-96, but at Tri-City and Merritt, things just didn't quite, quite shake out his way and uh, had to settle for second both nights to uh, Ashton Winger. Uh, I did want to ask you, Todd, because I know you, like I said, you've covered a lot of these Summer Nationals races, and I, I'm wondering if, A, there's ever been a more impressive second-place points finisher on the Summer Nationals and B, how far back do you have to go to uh, find a uh, a performance on the Summer Nationals by a non as good as Wingers by a non Illinois driver? So, two questions for you there. <laughs> um, well, I did. I actually was interested in the runner-up thing, and I kind of looked that up the other day. Uh, uh, Winning-wise, I mean, he won six races. The only two guys in this this century have done better than that as as a non-champion, I guess. Uh, Moyer won one year when he wasn't running it, but he ended up winning seven or eight. And then back in 2002, the year Bloomquist won the $100,000 title, Bab actually was a, the leading series winner, uh, despite finishing third in points. Uh, Bab won seven races that year. But but in recent memory, though, that certainly jumped out at me. Six wins for for a non-champion, and uh, and yeah, for for a non-Illinois guys, I mean, you go back to, I mean, I'm I, I think I have we have to look up to see what non-Illinois guy has won won that many races. Uh, you know, years in 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 dirt on dirtier, I guess you know Jeep Van Warmer and Jack Sullivan and those guys, but they weren't winning. They weren't winning as many as Winger did. Uh, and certainly not as impressively. Um, uh, so yeah, I think uh, it, it's a it's it's really a bonus for the series to have him on there. Think about taking him off this series. First off, Pierce is probably going to win half those six races, uh, and you know who knows what happens. But Winger really brought some new life and some new uh, uh, new blood to that series in a big way. And I and I think maybe. At the beginning, we were like, "Oh my goodness, not it's not going so well." You know, he got upside down. He had some engine problems, switch cars, and this and that. But man, I mean, did he ever hit his stride? I mean, he just—it's it, almost like we got the—not that he wasn't an accomplished and, and good racer starting out the series, but we all got to see like a microcosm of here is a driver getting better in like you know just like this you know, 30 race or 20, 29 race stretch. And, uh, uh, really, really pretty remarkable. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like you said, him you know, watching a driver get better over the stretch of those races. Um, and I think the two wins on Friday and Saturday demonstrated that because those were races he had to be patient and he had to, uh, as, uh, as Gary Winger said, he had to, to use his head more than his talent. And I think he did a good job of that. Um, 
the the other thing I will add, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but there were certain people on this podcast who made some predictions at the beginning of the summer nationals about how many drivers would, would run every race. Uh, it is significant. We will point out that Bobby Pierce, the champion did not run every race or enter every race. He, he missed one, uh, I think was attending a wedding, but, um, he, uh, but, uh, otherwise I, I, I think there was five or six guys or four or five guys that, um, that, that attended every race. Uh, and of course you had Tanner English, uh, in third there. And as we mentioned, winger, uh, Again, we kind of mentioned it, the tour had been t- turning into just the same guys from Illinois, you know, every year, just about. And uh, you, like you said, Todd, you had some some fresh blood on the series there. Uh, definitely shook things up and and made things interesting. Um, I'm I still don't like the extended, you know, two part series, and I hope next year they can maybe wrap that up a little a little earlier. Would you agree there, Kevin? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I I think we kind of. It, it might have made it in one respect a little easier for some guys to to do the whole thing, maybe, uh, you know, because they did have those breaks and stuff. Uh, so but but it's kind of notable that, that Jason Fegger didn't do them all. Ryan Unzecker didn't do them all. Brian Shirley didn't do them all. The guys from Illinois didn't do them all. Other than, you know, even Bobby Pierce, you said, didn't do them all. Um Frank Heckenass, he wasn't a he didn't do them all this year. So, I mean, it was it was outsiders that carried the. Uh, the outside guys from Illinois uh, that carried the, uh, you know, the regular status, I guess. Uh, and, and, and it is cool to see that because I just looked it up. I mean, the last guy, last time a champion has not been from Illinois was 2004 with Don O'Neill. That's a, that's a pretty long time. And, uh, and really second place, Winger is the first non-Illinois guy to finish second in the points since Moyer Jr. in uh 17 when Moore Jr. had uh, four wins and finished second in the points. So uh, it, it, they definitely needed that. That was the good thing about this year. There was the different guys. And we, and I guess you could say it's almost surprising the way guys, uh, I mean, the Winger had to stay on the road longer than normal uh, because of the extended stretch because he went and raced uh, during that break and, and at the end of July and beginning of August, he went and raced uh, Fairbury and Cedar Lake. So he didn't even stop racing. Uh, he was on the road the entire time and never got to go home at all. Uh, so pretty impressive for him for, you know, g- give him some kudos and, uh, and uh, it, it ended up being good, but let's, let's keep it like a one month thing. I mean, we let's no, no more breaks. I mean, especially it gets watered down here at the end because it was just, all of a sudden it's back and you, you kind of lost the momentum and then you got to build it back up with, and it's it just, uh, let, let's keep it in one thing. So the summer nationals can get the attention that it kind of deserves. Kevin, I don't know, you know, kind of, uh, uh, foreboding or, or, uh, foreshadowing, I guess, you know, when that, that, uh, statue threw up about, uh, Don O'Neill being the last non-Illinois mm-hmm. guy to win that thing. Uh, the year, before he won that, actually, I think he won in 04. So the year he before he won that, he actually won eight races in 2003. I'm not sure where he finished in the final points, but but he finished in 2003. He won eight races as a, you know obviously a, an Indiana guy. So so maybe that's mm-hmm. a, a bit of foreshadowing for for Winger if he can parlay this great great uh, season like O'Neill did, you know, almost 20 years ago into uh, a championship next year. You never know. Because it, you know, it it clearly helps to get out there and, and not just not the experience of the road. Because Winger has that, you know, with the World Outlaw stuff. But these little tracks aren't all the same, and this night to night grind is tough. 
And so, uh, you know, it definitely helps to get out there and, and hit these tracks and some tracks that he wasn't familiar with. So you never know, it, it could, could foreshadow into a, a big year next year for him. He, uh, that is a, a interesting point. I, th- I was talking with him in one of the races and, uh, with, with, uh, Ashton and he did say they were considering it obviously it's really, really early, but he's also considering possibly a return to a, a national tour. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, where he goes from here. I do know he is headed or was planning on heading back South and, uh, and back to Georgia and then, uh, racing at Sonoya this weekend, close to home there. So I'm sure him and both uh, his, his dad, Gary Winger, both looking forward to uh, getting back home and, and uh, hopefully uh, recovering a little bit from their travels. Uh, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time this podcast talking uh, about some some young guys, younger guys uh, get, getting better, obviously, obviously with uh, Hudson O'Neill with the big win at the topless. Uh, and, and Robert, you talked about, you know, his uh, partnering with the Double Down Motorsports team and, and uh, you know, how much he's, you know, the good fit that is and possible good future for those guys. Um, and then we're talking about Ashton Winger and how much he's matured. And obviously there's some, some other guys. So that got me thinking, especially as I was watching you know, Ashton Winger, Tanner English, uh, Devin Moran, Bobby Pierce, a bunch of young guys mixing it up uh, on the summer nationals this past weekend. And then saw Hudson O'Neill winning at the top list, you know, kind of where the, what, what we can look forward to from these, these young guys. And it brought them an inter- interesting topic. I fear we could kind of debate and talk about, uh, Pick a, a driver under the eight or 26 or under, and there is a reason I picked that age because Devin Moran is 26, uh, that you guys think if you had to bet on one of these guys, someone 26 or under, to uh, to really have a, a great future ahead to, for the future years, say this, to perform the best over the next 10 or 15 years, which driver would you bet on to do that? Uh, if, 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 you know, if we were had, had to pick one and, and why? I'll start with uh, – Sorry, Todd. Who would you who would you pick if you had to pick one of these guy, young guys to really have a, a prosper, the best uh, career going forward from here? Oh my goodness, to pick one. I mean, that's ooh, that's asking a lot. Uh, yeah, I have, I have problems with this because it's like how how do you see so many variables? You know, not just the driver's talent. I mean, I think the guys we've mentioned and some others. Uh, have the talent, but you know, where's the sport going to go? What teams will they be connected to? And that might be actually the biggest thing for any of these guys, you know, O'Neill and Tyler uh, Pierce are kind of connected to the really solid teams and, and Moran, maybe less so with his car owner, maybe not in for the long haul. Um, you know, Josh Rice, the guy we've talked about, but, but the, you know, really kind of a part-time guy, really in a way. And there might be some others. Cody Overton, we saw run well on the on the Southern Nationals. Um, so I'm just supposed to m- mention one, even though I've mentioned eight already. Yeah, you just mentioned about all of them. Um, one in, in a way, Pier- <laughs> Pierce has already been Pierce is already kind of like a star. You know, you know, he's won the World 100. So in, in a way, I mean, I guess if he goes on and wins five more World 100s, we you know, we'll see more, but he, he clearly is established already. Uh, and lots of these guys are, um, if I, if I have to pick one, I think maybe just because of the, I don't know, winger is in my mind right now because he, he, he still has more, more ceiling, more room to go. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm interested more, I guess, to see where he goes, whether it'll be the, the best of these guys. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree that you bring up a lot of interesting points. And, and one thing you didn't mention that, you know, I always wonder about, especially for these guys on the summer nationals year in and year out is burnout. Like these guys that start so young, like Bobby Pierce already, he's been doing this for 
10 years, you know, at, at almost at this level, it seems like, and you wonder like how long, uh, how, how long does, uh, does, does that before that starts wearing on you, especially with as much as he right ra- he races. And, and I'll say that in talking with him on, uh, on Saturday there about the tour winding up, he, you know, asked him, was like, do you see yourself, you know, being a guy that goes on and, you know, catches Bab and catches Moyer with a hundred victories. And he's, he, yeah, he wants to, um, you know, whether he, you know, keeps running the series enough to do that, you know, and, or does other things, uh, could change that. But, um, you know, he, he doesn't appear to be, uh, burning out in any kind of sense, but I do wonder about that. Um, if I had to pick one, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and make my pick. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I'm going to pick Devin Moran just because I feel like the way he's doing it, he's kind of, you know, him and, and Wiley there on the road, they, they, they've kind of put together a program, of course, to help with the tie toward, uh, car owner there. But, uh, I, I feel like he's kind of, and I don't want to, Talk, I'm not talking bad about any of the other guys doing this, but he's kind of doing it the right way with the way he's kind of building himself up, building his program, kind of he's come a long way. And uh, I still think he has is a guy that has a lot of room for growth. Um, so I would I would, I think watching him and seeing how he's improved, especially this year, I think he's a guy that's going to have a lot of big wins in his future and, and still has a lot of room to go before he reaches that uh, top level, he's, he's poten- top potential he has. Uh, what about you, Kevin? Which one, which one would you pick? Uh, I'm going with, uh, I mean, Bobby Pierce is tough to bet against because he's, uh, like you said, he's only 24 years old and he's already, well, he's won the world. He's won the show me. He's won the silver dollar nationals. He's won all these summer nationals races, uh, um, for, but for overall, I guess, like saying like total national driver, because I, I, Bobby ran this Lucas oil series once and it's hard for him to go run a national tour because he just has so much right around him with that summer nationals and so many races that he doesn't really, he's the, he's when you're in Illinois, you don't have to run a national tour. Um, uh, the guy that I, but the running a national tour, I think does help. It's going to help you get those more, the, those bigger wins, those crown jewel wins. And, and, and the guy that I see is, well, he's arrived now too. Well, it seems like is Hudson O'Neill with two crown jewel wins this year. He's not even 21 years old. He turns 21 next month. Uh, well, actually in like two weeks. And, and I, I've seen, he's the one guy too of that whole group that really started right off in the national tour situation. He went basically, I, I equate him to Josh Richards where he weighed Josh Richards was 16 years old and, and immediately like really early and he had barely had any races under his belt and he's already on the national tour with a good team. And, and that's the way Hudson did. He kind of learned on that and he held his own right, right off the bat. He, he was very good right off the bat, but it did take him a few years to really get to the wins. And he went through now as one stage there when he had the last year's it was his rough year with the masters of built house car. He's kind of, bounce back now and i think he's matured i mean i i i mentioned i think todd we've talked about it before uh just talking to him down at speed weeks immediately he seen he just i think he realized that he came out of that kid that 17 16 to 18 19 year old stretch where i mean you're gonna be a kid you know there's gonna be things in your head that are gonna act like a kid and maybe not uh, be as, as 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 focused as you need to be and i think that he's really learned that and and he's much more focused driver now and and he's developing just what he did on saturday night the way he was able to keep his composure and, and not and and fight off davenport slider in the last lap he's going to be the guy for a long long time because i think he's devoted to the sport now too man unless they unless some nascar team comes and wants to pick him up but that doesn't seem like it happens very often with uh 
with a dirt car anymore if you don't have a bunch of money. So he's got a great team. I think he's going to be the guy for a long, long time. There you go. A solid pick there, Robert. Uh, sorry for making you go last year, but uh, who, who would you, who would you pick? Well, I mean, you know, like, like both of these guys have said, and, um, uh, how do you pick against Bobby Pierce longevity wise? But what I look at, you know, I'm not looking necessarily when I, when I answer this question is who's going to be the biggest star necessarily, but I'm like, who's going to be around here in 15, 15 years from now, who, who, when I look at this list of guys that we've come up with, compares to uh, Earl Pearson Jr. or Dale McDowell or Jimmy Owens or, or Dennis Erb, guys who are just longevity and who are just staples in the sport and are still around. And, and that goes back to a lot of what Todd mentioned with with the, the variables, you know, the team situations, the direction of the sport, uh, you know, the financials, um, whether or not these guys want to have a family and kids. I mean, you just don't know where what path you're going to go on so it's very very difficult to determine but you know if if forced to pick clearly i think bobby is already at the top of the list uh you know but then but then you've got you've got hudson who is who is with a great team right now and i'm gonna i'm just gonna go ahead and give a shout out to to tyler tyler herb who i've talked to we've all talked to a lot in his in his young career and this kid would sell his shirt to race he is selling shirts you know i mean so he's kind of he's kind of actually he, you know him and his his girlfriend they've kind of got that little shirt deal going and and a little apparel deal and and that is that right there is looking out for your future so you know when you when you're doing he's like i would move here and i'll race for free he's, he told me this four or five years ago at duck river you know and, and so he's following his his path and his dream and i think a guy like tyler herb is out there digging and is and is going to do what he can to succeed as well whether it be making sure he has a supplement income to continue to go or making sure he's with a good team or whatever so i'll just give a shout out to tyler herb and i, I think that longevity wise um uh, he could prove me wrong. He could burn out in five years, but um, I think he's going to be around 10, 12, 15 years down the road. I think we'll, I actually think we'll still be talking about all these guys in some, you know, some aspect, but I think Tyler Herb's going to be there for sure. Yeah. And when you say, well, we still be talking about these guys, you know, 10 or 15 years from now, I know what you mean. You mean we're all going to be still on this podcast. It's going to be going strong. <laughs> And we're going to still be around every uh, every Wednesday for the listeners to to hear our opinions and everything. So anyway, uh, some interesting picks there. I think we can all agree uh, on one thing: is that the uh, the sport, uh, the future of the sport, looks bright with all those young guys, talented young guys, and others that we we didn't mention. So uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, start wrapping this thing up like we do uh, every week. We'll do our one more thing segment uh, where we each go through and uh, mention one thing. That uh, that stood out to us from the past week, be it a, a race result, a news item, or, or something, just something else in the sport. Uh, I'll start for this one. I'll start with you, Kevin. What do you got for for one more thing? Well, Williams Grove on Friday night uh, with the Outlaw race, the third place finisher, uh, right behind Satterley and um, and uh, I'm already forgetting who finished second, <laughs> but but uh, but third place finisher was Kyle Hardy, uh, the, the Virginia driver, 28 years old, and uh, He's had one heck of a year under the radar here. He's kind of went back to his own uh, his family team. 
with the crate car and he's running the Sammy Lacey's uh, Maryland base. It's a, it's a smaller, super late model team, not a real big team, uh, just basically one car that they have. And it's uh, not a brand new one either. And he goes out and finishes third, a great run at, at Williams Grove. And he's won several over. He just won at Hagerstown the week before uh, the Nathan Durbaral race. And uh, it's, he's, he's won a $7,000 race at Trailway with that car also this year. So, Good 25 wins for, for Kyle Hardy. Uh, you know, that yeah, no matter what you're winning, and if you're winning that many races, you're doing well. He's, he's in the rush points uh, championship hunt, too, for it would be a five-figure payday if he was able to win those points. And uh, so shout out to him. I mean, great season so far for Kyle Hardy, putting himself kind of back on the map. Uh, didn't know what he was going to do after he broke up with Billy Hicks at the end of, like, towards the end of the summer last year, to his southern uh, team. So, He's he's really putting it together, and it was a great run for him on uh, on Wednesday on uh, Friday night at Williams Grove. Yeah, Hardy is definitely having an, an impressive season. Twenty five wins already. That that's uh, quite a statistic. Uh, Rob, what do you got for one more thing? I was just going to give a nod to uh, to Devin Gilpin, who was really quietly having a, a solid season as well. He picked up his ninth win of the year, won at Portsmouth, uh, so he's winning at you know a few different tracks other than right there in Indiana. And I, I'm pretty sure with that uh, that victory that locks him into the, uh, the Dirt Track World Championship in October. So he's he's got a guaranteed starting spot there. So, you know, it was a $5,000 win and the uh, the Boone Coleman Memorial Gator 50 or whatever it's called. So, uh, you know, it's a solid win for him, nine on the year. And, and they've been relatively quiet. You know, I think we look at Devin and we think that, uh, he should be winning maybe some of these bigger races at Brownstown and some of these races. But, man, he's he's really put together a, a solid season, about to hit double digits, and, and like I said, guaranteed starting spot in the Dirt Track World Championship. So it was a, it was a good weekend for that team. There you go. And, Todd, what do you got for one more thing? I got a Fairbury where Eric Smith won, uh, won this week. And, uh, you know, he, he – former arca racer long-time dirt racer but he he sat out three or four years a couple of years ago and now he's kind of back uh from what i could tell that was the first time he's won won at fairbury since way back at the 2011 prairie dirt classic uh he may have slipped one in there between them but i couldn't uh, dig it up if he did so uh eric smith uh kind of kind of an old grizzled veteran now uh these days, but cool that he could uh, get get a win there at Fairbury for the first time in uh, what appeared uh, to be ten seasons. There you go. Todd's always really good at uh, pulling a you know something like a, a throwback, something that kind of qualifies as a <laughs> you know a throwback historical note almost. Uh, it seems like with these things, but I like it. That's good. Uh, I'll finish it up with uh, mentioning Peyton Freeman uh, getting the Southern All Stars win uh, there at I seventy five. Uh, in Tennessee, and, I, and I'm mentioning him because uh, you know he's leading the points, running away with the points on Southern All Stars. Uh, but really, that's because well, I don't say it's only because he's the only guy that's ran every race or is running every race. Um, but that obviously has a lot to do with it. Uh, and he kind of got you know it's kind of one of these deals where oh he's just going to win it you know because he's going to every race. But I think by winning it's his second win of the year, and he hadn't won since early you know in the spring on the tour by winning another one uh, against a solid field just kind of proves that he is there competing. He is there competing for wins. He's not just going showing up to every race to, to get the title. So uh, it was kind of a surprise to see, see him winning that one. Uh, good performance by him uh, as he heads towards a, a likely title there in his rookie season on the, on the Southern all-star. So uh, I guess that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. We'll be back next week to wrap up uh, Port, Royal, Port Royal and Davenport and all the other goings on, uh, in the sports. So y'all join us next Wednesday. Until then, have a great week. Mm-hmm.